Oh, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. amen. All right, before we take our seats, let's do this quickly. Let's activate our grace apparatus for perception. Do you know what that means? It means you can understand anything. All right, let's start. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of it, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. Amen. That is your portion this evening in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord will give you a word that is needed for this season of your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Your coming here today will not just be another, you know, another event, but it will help you become more and more of what the Lord ordained you to be in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Direction will be clearer from somebody. Amen. Healing will come to somebody. Amen. Peace will come to somebody's home. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That you took the effort to climb this flight of stairs. We're on top floor here. All right? <laughs> you try to climb up. Narrow staircase, you know? And you try to come up. Uh-uh. God will reward that effort in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's what the Bible calls seed. Seed. That's seed. People should know what seed is. Seed is not just money. Money can be seed, but in life, money is not really most of the seed you sow. It's little things like this. All right? For, for seeking something else you have to do. People have told me some of the most foolish things in my life. I say, ah, I don't see you, but they say, hey, you know, I wash on Saturdays. I say, man, keep washing. <laughs> the other you, you, you wash for a long time. You know, there are things you just say. You just know that you have chosen a path of hardship. You understand my point? There are things, even if you are doing, you shouldn't say them. You just say, ah, I don't know what happened to me. But for once you just say, you know, I wash on Saturday. They say, good, keep washing. Keep washing. But you did not wash on Saturday today. If you did, washed, you washed earlier. And you left the time to come and hear the word of God. That's the seed. Do you understand my point? That is a seed. You are sowing to the spirit. And from that spirit, you reap life in the name of Jesus. Amen. That life will manifest to you today as understanding. Amen. It will manifest as clarity. Amen. It will manifest to you as clear direction. Amen. It will manifest to you as a peace of God that passes all understanding. Amen. And that will come to you this evening by the entrance of these words. In the name of Jesus, we are praying. Amen. All right, let's take our seats as you do that. Greet somebody on your left and your right. Tell the person, wisdom is your portion. You are very wise. You are very wise with the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, let's open our Bibles. Uh, today we are going to continue our culture of faith, which is something that um, we have been on. This will be the 13th of the... Um, teachings on the culture of faith. Incidentally, it's just now, and I now remember where we began from. That's the funny thing. Do you know I forgot all this one? <laughs> well, that's how the Holy Spirit moves. I thank God for that. And I was about to start rounding off the whole thing then, and I said, no, you, are not, you have not gotten to where we actually began from, what I intended to do. So we are going to continue today by reading from the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Of course, where I'm going to read is where you are suspecting. Of course, what is in Matthew chapter 5? 
Let's read the first 20 verses in the first instance. Then we'll see what we'll do after that. Uh, verse 1, it said, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. First point to note, he saw the crowds. When you see the word crowd in the narratives of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, always look closely so as to know the particular crowd that was being spoken about. So this was a general multitude of everybody following him up and down. They were thoroughly mixed. So when they all gathered, he moved a bit further away. And then some of the crowd, they can be in multitude also in number. They can be quite numerous. But they generally are more, less than the other group. And this one, they are his disciples. His disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth and began to teach his disciples. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely see all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now, please notice the word, because of me, <laughs> not because um, you are fighting over a wife or, or money or a business matter. He said, because of me, rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. Rather, what it does is to put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do not think... Now, already 20, 20, to verse 20, right? Okay. So do not think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I just want us to end in verse 20 for now. He said, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Then he now went ahead 
to explain some principles, some of the commandments. For time's sake, we're not going to read that now. But I encourage all of us to go back and read these things again. One of my favorite parts is um, when it said that if your eye causes you to stumble, you know, you should cut it off. Now, actually, everything here ends a few chapters later. You read as far as chapter 7, okay, still on the Sermon on the Mountain before it ended in verse um, 28 of that uh, chapter 7. But I don't want to stop in that verse 20 because of the words that he used there. He said that except your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, again, let's continue what we've been saying. I want to just remind us of some things we have said before concerning the culture of faith matter. Remember, faith has a culture. That is, our faith may be in our hearts, but it must produce something tangibly outside. Christianity is not something we need to put up our hands for people to know we are Christians. It's something that once they just interact with us, you know, for a few hours, for a few days, you walk in the same office, without you even telling somebody I'm a believer, the fellow sees your mindset. The fellow sees how you make decisions. The people who are around where you see the things that matter to you. They see the things you put together when you have to make up your mind. For example, you have to resign a job and go to another one. The way you talk about it alone, it impress the person that you have a different reference, you know, system in your, in your mind. You know, you talk about uh, something happened uh, in my office a few days ago. One of my colleagues was telling me something. He said, ah, where do you live? Where's your house? I told him, I described the area. Uh-huh. He wasn't very sure. I was describing it. And I said, okay, is this safe? I said, safety is of the Lord. I just gave him that statement. And I didn't say anything further. He says, the area is safe. I said, safety is of the Lord. Let's leave it there. Uh, and I really wasn't planning to qualify it further. If he had asked some other questions, I mean, I've been able to answer. But just say, is it safe? I said, oh boy, anywhere I stay is safe. Do you get my point? You know, there was a time I needed to, when I was, after I finished my postgraduate in Lagos those days, and I told people I was going to Enugu. The question is that, ah, prosperity is in Lagos. And I laughed. I said, no, prosperity is anywhere that God has sent you. It's anywhere that God has placed you. It's anywhere that God has ordained for you to be. And then, of course, when you are making decisions, like it's not just a theoretical statement. You start, you know, when you are, the way you behave, people will just know it's different. That's what we call Christianity. It's not just them. I know how to sow a seed so that God can multiply it. Christianity is how I eat my food. Are you getting my point? That is very, very true. And let me just say it. Most of us are unbelievers these days when it comes to eating our food. When we collect the food, the first thing we do is what? Analyze it. What is the level of cholesterol? Is the food acidic? Is it basic? Is it, um, does it have salt? Does it have salt? Is it, is it organic or inorganic? There's not like inorganic actually, but anyway. Are you getting my point? The fact that you finish analyzing the food, even God has given up on us. It sounds like a joke, but let me say it again. God actually will give up. But if you're analyzing the food he gave you, you just say, give me my blessing back. You'll be eating plastic, you won't know. He has removed all the good inside your food. And has gone to give to one madman who is rummaging through, you know. What I want to tell you is not nice. Your daddy, I went to throw away garbage. And I saw one guy there. I thought it was actually, you know, initially I didn't notice what he looked like, you know. So, you know, people who, do, who pick plastics, all, all those kind of um, recycling stuff, you may find them there too. This guy just went, he, he felt one bag, opened the bag, unwrapped it, saw 
a loaf of bread, you know, a leftover piece of uh, a loaf of bread that has been discarded. And he smiled and started eating it. Yuck. I jumped inside my car. I told my wife, do you know what I just saw? Because she was waiting for me in the car. Do you know what I just saw just now? <laughs> my wife said, God has provided the guy's food. Let's leave that side. Let's be going. <laughs> so that guy ate with rejoicing. And believe me, he will not die soon. Are you getting my point? But there are people that they have given the food. It's on the table, clean table. You know, beautiful china. They fried their egg. But you'll now be asking, was that frying pan platinum, uh, what the, uh, titanium coated? Have you, have you that kind of rubbish? Yes, it's coated with titanium. That is the discussion. But when you fry the egg, is it coated with titanium? I know people who carry their bottles of water about because the water has to be deionized. You, you are going mental. You don't realize some of the things you are doing. No, it's not like a joke. I know what I'm telling you. You see them carrying water up and down. You have been confused, honestly. They sit down before they eat. God has collected the blessing and given to that guy at the refuse dump. That they were discussing. <laughs> they, told, they said there was one doctor in this town. I won't tell you the name in case you knew the guy. They said all he did, medical doctor, was be harassing people on what they ate, whether it's acidic or basic or neutral. Then one day he died. It, didn't, it wasn't an old man when he died. It was maybe in his middle ages. And then he died. They said, well, what is this one you are doing? Oh, so he didn't carry you on forever. And he didn't die from road traffic accident. Too. He fell sick and he died. I told my wife, it is God's judgment on lack of thanksgiving on food. We just be messing with God all the time. Feel sorry for them. Anyway, let's deal with our message. The point I'm making is that even the way we eat our food, our faith reflects in it. You understand my point? Our faith reflects even in the way we eat our food. We have looked at relationships. You know, let me just don't, let me not do too much reviewing now. We've looked at how we relate with each other. You know, and last time I began to look at how we relate with people generally. How do we relate with our neighbors? How do we relate with people that we don't have any serious personal relationship with? We've talked about how we relate with people we have personal relationship with, like our husbands, wives, uh, our, our bosses, you know. When we went through what Paul told us in that book of Ephesians, and we took some things also from Peter. But now we're going back to the general side, which is what we began last time. Let's just read that one again quickly. The one that uh, we read from uh, Paul. Quickly, Ephesians chapter, was it four or five read? And let's just go to four. From there we'll find our bearing. Please, I need to repeat this again before I go on. That is when Christianity is real. That is when James said faith is perfected. Don't, see this lie they tell us all the time. Northern Nigeria is Muslim. Southern Nigeria is a Christian. I hope you know it's a lie. There are Christians in the south. There are Christians in the north. There are Christians everywhere. Most people in the south are not Christians. They are not. Just like most in the north are not Christians too. And I know what I said. They are not, most people in the north are not Christians. Just like those in the south are not also mostly Christians. These people that come to church on Sundays, most of them are not Christians. If I should be asking yourself, I, I, am I sure I make, I make you know, yeah, no, yeah, it has reached that point. You know, I was listening to Kenneth Hagin uh, last week, today, Saturday, okay, yes, during the week. And they just don't know me again that, I think Christians need to ask that question. No? Said, you know, he was born very sickly. Uh, about the age of 16, he finally managed, you know, finally, sure, let me put it like that. Finally, he died. And then he died um, three times before he finally stabilized and did not die again until he was like almost 90. Okay? Now, what I want to bring out is that the first two times his heart stopped, he felt himself leave his body and say he was sucked down into the depth of darkness. He said, darkness so thick 
you felt you could cut it with a knife. Said darkness so thick you cannot see your finger in front of your eyes. He said the further down you went, the darker it became and the hotter it became. And then look that when they tell him that there is no hell, he laughed. Said because I have been to the gates thereof. Until the voice of God said, I don't know what that voice said. He said, but thank God it sounded. And then he heard the voice and the whole place shook like there was an earthquake. And it was as if there was a suction on his back, pulling him back. And he would tell you, I, I came back into the earth at the foot of the, you know, like the doorstep of our house. So at that time I came back at the head of the bed. Then I entered into my body through my mouth. And then suddenly I woke up again. And I continued talking. Then I tell my mother, tell my grandmother, I'm going again, I'm going again. And then, then the man is hard to stop again. Said so that happened twice. Now this point I'm making. So as I'll be descending, what I'll be shouting, say, God, I belong to the church. I've been baptized in water. So that shout he was shouting meant nothing. Kept on falling down to the depths. I hope you are following my point. There are so many stories about it, okay? One of the things that happened is that that time, if you notice, I said that he would talk to his grandmother. His mother was at the back praying. That's why his mother was not there when he was dying. His mother kept on praying for him not to die. That was why he survived. Because when she was pregnant with him, she had had a vision that he was going to be a man of God. And now she was dying before her face. And he has been sick for 16 years. Born with a deformed heart. Ah, that's why she was praying. Let's make a long story short. The man said, listen, you went to church. He shouted it and shouted it. It meant nothing. Let me summarize it. By the time he woke up again, he began to beg God, forsake, that is, confess sins, believe the Lord Jesus Christ, I accept him as personal Lord and Savior. He begged God for salvation. That was when he found it. The father has been going to church. He found that he didn't save him. So next time he died, this time around, he said, by the time he gave his life to Christ, he felt himself cleansed by the, that powerful blood of Jesus Christ. So after that, he didn't care whether he died. He said, listen, he said, he said if you go and check the bed I was on, he said, you see that I wore off the vanish in the head of the bed, unconsciously holding on to life, afraid to die. He said, after I became born again, truly, he said, I didn't care again whether I lived or died. He said, the only thing I used to do consciously is that you know, I, I, I made sure I fell asleep with praises on my lips so that if I died in my sleep, they would know I died happy. Next time he died, this time around, he was sucked up to heaven. As he was ascending again, this time I heard another voice. This time I could hear the voice. He spoke in English because he was speaking to him. I said, go back. You can't come here yet. Your work on earth is not yet done. I think I'm not joking about it. Many people, you should, we should start preaching in churches these days. Are you sure you're a Christian? You should start asking people. Like somebody said, just because you go to church does not make you a Christian. Just like being in a, in a chicken coop does not make you a chicken. Being in a garage does not make you a car. You can put in a doghouse, you are not a bingo. Are you getting my point? You can be confused and not know who you are. True Christianity is what we are preaching again. Please, I, I may sound like a broken record, but I'll say it again. Don't let anybody lie to you that what you do does not matter. That your salvation is in your heart. Salvation is by offense. You will die and go to hellfire. They will use it as an experiment to prove to people after you that don't believe in lies. Your pastor is roasting. They will show all of them vision. Look at that guy preaching lies to you. We are roasting him to let you know that he lied. I've said it again and again. Faith is in the heart we know, but it is not genuine if it does not produce anything outside. That's what we are saying. We are not saying we are saved by works. 
We are saying if the faith is in the heart and it remains in the heart, it's fake. Have you ever seen that I have money in the bank? They can't put it upline to me. Transfer now. Network, no good. We'll go ATM now. I don't like, I don't believe in ATM. They'll not give you a check that will never cash. That is, that, that check is made of rubber ball. FIFA. Raise the bank, bounce back in your face. Remember one woman, one woman, I didn't know the woman, but I knew the guy talking about her. I met a woman later. He said, that woman, very, very rich. Ah. So they asked, why? She's very rich. <laughs> why does she not have a car? I said, she does not know which one to buy. <laughs> With the Lagos, you have so much money, you don't know which car to buy. She know your money is, is, a, is do you understand my point? Many people's faith, if you say that, ah, no, I'm keeping a low profile. I don't want to, in fact, I, I, I'm not planning to. Yeah, he said, no, she does not know which one to buy. <laughs> Even Bill Gates knows which one to buy. Eh? That's why it is many people's faith. They say faith, 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 faith that's in their heart and is not producing anything outside. Let's say it one more time. It's fake. You are going to a church. <laughs> Your pastor is a womanizer and is preaching to you that salvation is by faith. Please find another church to go to. I am not saying he must be 100% perfect. That's not what I'm going to explain. But when the man starts saying, because I, I, I know what I'm talking about. I particular man I have in my mind. He'll be bragging that because we are pastors don't mean we are holy. Yes. It means that you have a title that will kill you. And you come to church on Sunday and be preaching salvation is by faith. By faith you have believed. And when you're saved, you're saved forever. <laughs> Like somebody say, your hair fire, I see they do press up. <laughs> God. <laughs> you know, there's so, anyway, let, let me preach my message, please. Me. Let's sit on our message, you. No, because it's very, very, it's very painful. It's very, very painful, the kind of thing. And they not tell you that uh, many people go to church, the country is not changed. <laughs> it is not the con- number of people in church that's the issue. When Rwanda, eh? When they killed one million of themselves with their own hands in three months, 800,000 exactly, cholera did the rest, okay? Now, they were mostly Catholics, predominantly. Let me speak Nigerian politics more. Let's talk Nigerian politics. Let nobody lie to you that if they divide the country, you will have peace. Listen to me. That is when your peace will never come again. It will never come. Rwanda was Predominantly Catholics when they were slaughtering themselves. Erufai said something, Cardinal Governor. He said Somalia, they all speak the same language and they are 99% Muslims. They have not known peace for 20 years. So if you think too many religions is what your problem is, say Somalia. All, you know, there's no Igbo, Hausa, you know, Shakira, all those kind of Yoruba. No. Somalia, everybody the same. All of them, Muslims. Of course, not 100%, of course, but maybe 90-something percent. Yet, peace now. Peace is a gift of God. So Christians don't join those who are talking nonsense, political talk. It's a sign of lack of faith. Then when they call the country, you will not have peace. Oh, God in heaven. That's when you know that your, your, your pastor is not born again. Right? Now, all of you appear to be, the same, be, be in the same group now, simply because you all seem to have one enemy. Muhammad Buhari. All shouting PVC, PVC, PVC. That's the worst deception of the generation, PVC. One brother posted something to your daddy, Pastor Corey almost ate the guy. In fact, I was the first person getting angry. 
I woke up in the morning, I read that chart. I read it, my fingers was like this. I blew on my fingers. I dropped my hand, I dropped the phone. Then when I said I picked the phone, Pastor College had answered. Let me tell you what's up. My poor bro, he forwarded it to. You know, some in life, eh, watch what you forward. Because now you go collect the insults. <laughs> Somebody said, uh, why you need to collect your PVC? That Jesus fed 5,000, where were they? All those who loved Jesus, most that followed him, where were they? They did not come. So when they were shouting, who should we spare? That they spared Barabbas. Simply because they did not come with their PVC. <laughs> so even though they loved Jesus, Jesus lost the election. You can imagine how I felt as a preacher of the gospel when I read that. When Pastor Corey read it, he didn't blow on his fingers like I blew on mine. He replied, he said, what a sorry use of scriptures. That was his first line. Ah, he was, he could see the anger. And God was happy, like, he was angry with, I was happy with Phineas. As he was showing the anger, the Lord was happy. I could feel the happiness of the Lord. He said, what a sorry combination of scriptures with life. He said, PVC or no PVC? If they all gathered, of course, you know the truth. Do you, he said, you seem to have forgotten that he was elected and appointed to go to that cross. What difference will it make if the whole of Israel came to shout, Jesus, 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 he still would have died. Just like I also say, please get your PVC, but please don't use the scripture for that kind of thing again. My brother afforded, they said, I'm very sorry. I stand corrected. I said, good man. That day, I was my wife. We had a good laugh. <laughs> Before you forward anything, watch yourself. If Archbishop catches you, that's Pastor Courage. <laughs> the Lord is good. Oh God, I've not gotten to my message. Apostle, it's your fault. <laughs> the point I'm making is, I know I went into all of that. Please, let's understand what Christianity is. I'm just, you know, I went to that time to say that they were supposedly mostly Christians in Rwanda when they were slaughtering one another. They were Catholic, so we enter into a Catholic church and take a reverend sister. Just because she's a Tutsi, they will ask her to death. And the fellow is a Catholic. Is that a real Catholic, really? Think about it. So that's why when I see pastors count, we are saying some so, so number in our church. I said, bros, you are begging for confusion. No wonder when David mistakenly numbered Israel, God had to punish him. All this numbering, numbering, numbering thing. Doesn't, God doesn't like it because you create too much confusion. I've asked myself for a long time. I'm not claiming to have all the understanding yet. But why was God angry with numbering? It's simple. One of the reasons. David, you want to, because they were numbering the men of war. He wanted to see the might, the strength of his army. That will now be his trust, his hope. God said, eh, that's the way you want it. Listen, let's not be counting numbers. Anyway, let's get it to ourselves. So listen, you may, all this noise of uh, predominantly Christian, Christian idea, country is not changed. It's not true. We are not predominantly Christians. We have not, we all go to church. That's not church. Churches don't meet on Sundays. We meet every day. Are you getting my point? It's not the fact that you go somewhere on Sunday. I've seen people walk out from church. Crossover service. Crossover service like this. Hmm? Crossover service. As they shout, Happy New Year! They cross back to Premier Club. Continue boozing. They left the club at 11 o'clock. 
enter church, join us to pray, pray, pray. 11, 15, 12, 15. They were back the, where they left the bottle, they opened it and continued. Why? It must not happen that they did not cross into the new year inside church. And you, those ones will feel formed too. They will now say Christian. Please, let's get it clear. That's what we are teaching you. Know. Our faith that's not affecting our culture is fake. It is fake. It is very, very, very fake. Let's read it again. Ephesians chapter 4. So we said we have understood the basic foundations. We have been redeemed in Christ Jesus. Our sins have been forgiven. All things have passed away. We have been delivered from under the curse and we are now inside the blessing that we have in Christ Jesus. Paul said, if these things are so, verse 17, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you do not walk any longer. Just that the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ. <laughs> sorry. Sorry that I'm laughing. You know I'm laughing. Yes, they were watching animal program on TV with the kids. And some lions wanted to kill the giraffe. So my wife and I were discussing how difficult the giraffe would be to kill. So Victory was looking like there are small animals there. They show one some of the ungulates, maybe an antelope. Then why is this lioness going for this giraffe? That's very difficult. So, I don't know whether it's me or the mother said, he's greed. See, so he, he jumped up and, say, and turned to the brother, that turned to Akinlu, say, you see, it's not only human beings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That is, even he jumped up, like, see, even lions show greed. Really? You see a small antelope? Mm. They wanted the tallest one in the place. So it's in the scriptures like that you can see. <laughs> Alright, so for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. So we saw yesterday that even animals display that greed. So, but you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught of him, just as truth is in Jesus. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. How do you let this, how do you let sin come in? It's when you let the sun go down on your anger. Say, so don't, do not, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And if you let that happen, you are giving the devil an opportunity. So he said, do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing what is good in his hands so that you will have something to share with somebody who's in need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that you give grace to those who hear. And do not give the Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and stand up be put away from you. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as Christ, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Praise the Lord. All right, I just wanted to finish reading that last time. 
Now, so what we are looking at now is the general attitude we should have as Christians. And please, this is very important. I want to say this one more time. If we don't have the attitudes, if we don't have the general behavior that's fitting for Christianity, many things we are looking for in life, we will never find. Now, please, let's get it right. We're not doing those things because it's our way of getting things. Again, I want to just keep going over this again and again and again. Christianity, let's forget these things of, I do this so I can get results. I do this so I can get promotion. I do this so I can have uh, prosperity. I give so that God can multiply it back to me. No, let's leave that out of our hearts. Let's do what the Bible calls loving righteousness. He said, for you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. You see, the love of righteousness is what God is talking about. That is, I'm concerned about knowing what is right to do and doing what is right for the sake of the fact that it is right. Are you getting my point here? That's all that matters to me. It's not what does it produce for me. I like one thing Pastor Corey said when he was here. He said, if you don't know scriptures very well, when Moses struck the rock that second time, he got results, you will be, you will be led astray by following the results Moses got. But at that point in time, he displeased God. He did that which was not right. He got the results, but he died for it. So please don't follow results in your life. Follow righteousness. Follow righteousness. That's what we are talking about. So what we are teaching is making this thing a habit. Now let's get back to um, the thing that the Lord Jesus said. He said, except your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. I want you to understand something. You know, those of you who were young, with our understanding of it is that was that um, righteousness of the Pharisees was just outward, but that of the Christian is inward. It's in the heart. So it is by faith. It's a higher level of righteousness. Praise God. You know, those kind of uh, Greek teaching that we used to do those days. All right. So we'll come. We speak for one hour all Greek. <laughs> Even though some of those things may have had some truth in them, but that was not what Jesus was saying. What Jesus was saying was simple. Your righteousness will surpass that of the Pharisees. And he went ahead to explain what he meant. The Pharisees will tell you, thou shalt not commit adultery. That is his own level of righteousness. Commit. You understand? What you can catch somebody on. Like we said last time, that every law of Moses could be enforced. Which means that there were things that people could see and say you have done. You could have two or three witnesses who will testify that you did it. But what is inside your heart, nobody can testify concerning. They really don't know. And Jesus took his own righteousness to that level. Are you getting my point? He took it to that level. That not only will you match the Pharisees in the outward form, form of righteousness. Now, now, you are doing it for a different reason. You must understand. They are doing it, they, are, they call them whitewashed tombs. That is, outwardly, they will paint the sepulchers very well. But inside, there are dead men inside. Dead men's bones are all over the place. But outward, outward they are, you know, painted. However, houses are also painted. In fact, I dare to say, the houses are better painted than the sepulchers. True or false? I think it's true. But then these houses are not full of dead men's bones. What am I trying to say here? That Jesus was saying that you will not be a whitewashed sepulcher. You will not be. You will be a proper house that is, you know, he said, wash the inside of the cup. And what will happen? He said the outside will be clean. Uh, now, you know what a lot of us want to say? That once the inside is clean, ha, the outside does not matter because the inside is where the substance is. Hallelujah. I will go to church and deceive ourselves like that regularly. What Jesus said is that if you wash what? The inside. The outside will be clean also. 
That is, some people focused on washing the outside. They did not touch the inside. All they did was just whitewash the dead men's tombs. You know, just paint it outside. So the cup will look nice outside. But Jesus said, no, focus on washing the inside. Listen to this. And automatically, the outside will reflect the cleanliness that is inside. So the man becomes good. So he bears what? Good fruit. But my own emphasis in this series is that that fruit must be born. Are you getting my point? He must bear that good fruit. He must bear that good fruit. So when Jesus was saying, our righteousness must surpass that of the Pharisees, what he was saying is that we will excel every other person in integrity. We will excel beyond every other person in the way we talk. We will excel beyond every other person in our manner of life in every area. And listen to this. That was what he began to explain to them when he was talking about blessed are the poor in spirit. When he talked about that blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the gentle. All those things are practical things that Christians must engage in and be known for. Because he said, let your light so what? Shine. That men will see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Listen, your Christianity must show in everything that you do. That's what the Lord Jesus is saying. I hope you are getting my point here. And I'm emphasizing again that you see, the word of God has different aspects. And the problem we have had a lot of time in Christianity is that having not understood all the different aspects, we focus our energy so much in one particular area and the thing doesn't work. And we think it is the more we focus and declare the word of promises, you know, let's just go by the gate. We said the word of God has what? Promises. It has what? Precepts. And then it has commandments. And then we are, which other one? Uh, there are four, four, five that I generally give out us here. One, promises, which is thy word, you know. Revive me according to thy word. Then we have precepts. And then we have the testimonies. Then we have the, um, the commandments, okay, and then the ordinances, okay. Now, I won't go through them in detail. I just want to pick up the issue of uh, uh, precepts again. Now, most Christians, this is the problem. We know the promises a lot. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. We focus so much on the promises. But like we said last time, if we do not build the transmission cable properly, the power generated by the promises don't come to reality. And what are we saying? Our lifestyle, which Jesus was teaching us here, which is said must be, must surpass, must excel beyond that of the Pharisees. You know, there's something he said. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And every other thing will be added to you. You know what I found out? The words of the Lord Jesus are either true or they are not. He said, don't worry about what I will eat, what I will drink. He said, many of the things you make prayer points. They should not be prayer points. That's why we said, was that, how many weeks ago did we say that? He said, the rest of this year. We're not praying for any, that is, carrying uh, God this year, I must build a house, I must buy a car. We gave ourselves that instruction a few weeks ago. I said, let's abandon it for the rest of the year. Let's see what God will do. Let's replace those prayer seasons, those prayer times, with what he gave us as prayer points. They are prayer points he gave. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that we will send laborers into the harvest because the harvest is plenty for laborers are few. He gave that prayer point. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. So, okay, how do I seek the kingdom? I'm going somewhere here. So what the Lord Jesus said is this. He said, seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and every other thing will be added. This is the point. If it is not being added, it is not a new prayer point that he says you add. What he's saying is that you are not seeking the right things. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Jesus is saying, listen, this is how spiritual things work in Christianity. We generally get what we are not seeking. And what we are looking for, we tend to lose. Let me explain what I'm trying to say. Who's the one that will preserve his life? He's the one that wants to lose it. Who's the one that will lose his life? The one that's trying to preserve it. That's the word of the Lord. I didn't say it too. I hope you know. That's what Jesus said. So the things we are looking for in life, the, the things we get in life as believers, the generally are not the things we are looking for. Our good man, uh, that is our good example, Solomon. What most Christians, I know the truth about us, we are very funny people. Even though the examples are clear in scriptures, we still don't follow the examples. We still, you know, we interpret, you know, today. I was reading, what was I reading? Was it a Bible or something? Or a book? I stumbled into a rendering of John, you know, like, uh, I come that you may have life and have it more abundant. I found a rendering somewhere. And then I remember when we were in school, what we call abundant life. I said, Kai, you know, abundant life to a child, what does it mean? It's plenty good, good things. You understand my point? If a child is uh, maybe, <laughs> if a child is uh, two weeks old, abundant life is <laughs> milk must flow. Are you getting my point? <laughs> when the child can crawl around and eat, and abundant life is, you know, chocolates and, and you know. So when we're big too, you know, when we're university boys, we're not learning abundant life. I will never be poor in this life. Abundant life is the kind of shoes I wear. Abundant life. Kind of clothes I wear. Abundant life. I was not living in by a Abundant life. That's all we knew about. I remember it today. I was so embarrassed. I said, God, you know, I thought like that at a time. That's the meaning of abundant life. Uh, you feel like going back and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I didn't say it. You know that kind of thing. But what I'm going to say is that we interpret things according to our level of spiritual development. So, we find a few scriptures here and there that support our selfishness, our worldly way of praying. I will keep repeating those ones. We take things, we do Zarifat. We turn her to, ah, she's the worst that this Christ pastors have finished that girl. <laughs> we have finished that, that is, mis- misinterpreted her life, turned everything around her upside down. We forget that truly what God said to us is that those who really find good things in life, we're not looking for those things. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Make that first primary pursuit. That's what I'm trying to say. It must be your primary pursuit. He said, every other thing will be added. But you know, we find that hard. That's why I say it again and again and again. I'm sorry, I won't spend more than 30 seconds on it. If you are giving money because you want it to come back to you, you are wasting your time. That's the point. You are wasting your time. I keep on studying Christians. I hope all of you have believed me. Giving must be your habit, you know. I'm not eating so that my wife can multiply the kitchen. Are you getting my point? What, what I said now, does it make any sense? <laughs> Just have any meaning. Really, that's what, what Christians do. That's how it is. I did that deliberately to let you know how foolish some of these we, we say. But why do I eat? Huh. 
today, because I knew how to preach today, I lost appetite for a few days. Eh? I made myself eat. I wasn't sowing a seed of eating. I said to me, for, to, for me to stand up here and speak for at least an hour and a half, I must eat and I must drink. I looked for all kinds of methods to beef up the water, sweeten the water, warm the water, cool the water, just so I can finish a big cup so as to hydrate myself properly. I was not hoping that if you drink this cup, more drinks shall be added unto you. What am I going to say? We do what is right because they are the right things to do. And that's what Jesus means when he says, seek first the kingdom of God. If we do that habitually, then we release his hands to be able to add other things to us. What am I saying? If things are being denied us, it is a sign from God that we are not seeking the right things. He said, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does that mean? Listen, let's get practical. For example, my relationship with material things as an example. God can look at it, assess it very well, and decide that it's not good enough. I may think it is good. Are you getting my point? Then God starts using the obstructions and problems in my life. To show to me that you have too much faith in material things. So no matter how much I pray for more money, more money, more money. God is saying this, more money is not what your problem is. No matter what I give you. If I had that discussion with one of our sisters once. We talked at length about material things. How money was not enough in the house. And how they've tried and tried. Tried other things to, you know. You know the way it is. Husband and wife, you're sitting down. You're trying to make ends meet. You know. Plan, you know, of course, if your income is not enough, you look for something on the side to do every other thing that didn't work. Of course, when you're having this discussion like that with me, I'm praying. Because I need to give you the mind of God, not human wisdom. But I said, remember what dropped in my mind that day. After the talk, I said, my dear sister, you know what the problem is? She said, what? I said, you are trying to solve a spiritual problem through a material method. I said, God is saying to you, what you need is no more money. You think that if I can double my income, my problems will end. God said, if I double this income, your problems will double. Then you will think if I can double it again. And you'll be looking for doubling, doubling. By the time God finished giving you the eightfold, you have fifteenfold problem. Because by the time we finish analyzing everything that day, ah, I said, no, obviously somebody is blocking you in every side. No, and listen, let me just say it again. It's not an enemy of your destiny. This is where churches and pastors mislead their congregation. Somebody, you know, somebody doesn't want you to prosper. The other they went to do, when we were doing program at Back Lake, you know, they were praying the next <laughs> One woman came to leave prayer. I said, wherever they have kept you. I felt like I said, madam, who kept them? I know Africans like it. It's not my fault. Yeah, it's, my, it's the enemy's fault. I will have made more progress. It's just my father that went and married that wicked woman. And she has cast a spell upon me, so my head is not correct again. I can't make progress. I'm working hard, but blame my stepmother. It's an African mindset which we brought into church. Let's not talk about that now. Now, so that day, that, that was our discussion. I said, listen, after analyzing everything, I said, look, the good Lord is saying to you that your problem is not more money, that you are trying to solve a spiritual problem through this financial manipulation. What should you have done? First, there's what the Bible calls godliness with contentment. I pray we can understand that thing. God is saying, see this money I have given you, look around. You will find out that a huge number of Nigerians 
don't earn that amount. And they're not complaining. You know, God has placed many things around us to teach us lessons. One of the things he has placed around us are these men who go around polishing shoes. You know those guys? They polish shoes. Or they sell um, sweets, you know? Chocolates. All those small, small things beside the road. You know where they come from. Most of, a lot of them are from northern part of Nigeria. You know, a lot of them are Muslims. Now, when we were young then, younger, you just felt like uh, they don't have ambition. <laughs> I've realized that uh, their lack of, of ambition is a blessing. You know, the little money they have, eh? as small as that money is, that they earn from those little, little things at the end of the day, it doesn't come to so much. But that seems to be enough for all their problems. Why? Because they're not planning to buy a thousand square meters in Jerry. That's not in the horizon at all. Like I said, God gives us a lot of things to teach us lessons. Those things are not in their horizon at all. The guy is not thinking that one day my son too will go to Harvard. Now, you may be laughing, but do you know these are some of the problems we created for ourselves? Develop prayer points for them. And we develop congregations servicing those prayer points on a daily basis. We develop a whole industry around worldliness, a spiritual industry. Please read my book, Grace to Prosper. Go and read the chapter on the vow of poverty. It's important. Sometimes I look at those people, I mean, ask Israel, okay, today we're coming from Akkadi. We inside an air-conditioned car. Glass wound up, you know, and we're, you know, kind of, the road was bad, and you're like, this road is bad, you know, dusty and all of that. Then we breeze, we breeze past some guy sleeping under a flatbed, you know what they call a flatbed truck, parked just beside the road. There are something under it, and they were fast asleep. I said, God said, you can't complain. You can't complain. You're inside an air-conditioned car. That is your inability to be comfortable here. It's not about the road. It's not about the car. It's about you. I know where I went into all of this. Though. So that day I told my sister, I said, listen, you know, many of us don't realize that God actually asks us. He actually demands that one of the first assignments of your life is learn how to manage money. No, not how to use faith to get more. One of the first assignments of your life is manage money in such a manner that you don't need more. What I say is not a joke. That is, if economy goes one way, value of your income, you know, that's Naira drops, there are a number of ways to respond. Let's just pick two of them. One of the ways is, God, in the name of Jesus, you will increase me. You know, everything is possible. In the name of Jesus Christ, God can do you know, all that kind of thing. There's another way which is just okay. What the 100,000 was doing, it can't do it anymore. Now, right now, I have the 100,000. How do I get by without having to complain? Without touching the generosity that is in my life. Are you getting my, my point here? Without touching the areas that I'm supposed to service. How do I get by? It's a prayer point. That was what Paul meant when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That was what Paul was talking about. That day I told my sister, I said, okay, you know what God is telling you? That is your assignment now. Stop looking for more money. You know what God is saying? You don't need it. Oh, you think you do? Oh, just by the way. You are sure you do. You are certain you do. Everything shows you that you do. But God is saying, you don't. So what are you supposed to do? Go and find out how you don't. Now listen to me. That's a prayer assignment. And many people listen to me today. That's the prayer assignment God is giving. He said, enough of asking me for more money. If I hear me about more money from your mouth again. I don't want to hear it again the rest of your life. 
Because I have told you, I will add it to you. So why are you harassing me like I don't think? Why are you harassing me like I don't know how to make plans for you? Why have I not given to you now? I have told you, you don't need it. How do I manage? That's why it's called prayer. How do I manage? Go and pray. Listen, there are things that God wants to do for Christians. There are times God will be looking at you. You will have done everything, done everything. God will say, I won't say anything. I want your common sense to wake up and tell you some things. That's why you now realize that when you parked to this area, it was competition with your friends. That where you were living before, rent is one third of what you are paying here. Rely the neighborhood so that it won't be like they left you behind. Now your whole life is now used to sustain the neighborhood. Say, Lord, help me. Say, yes. Tell your landlord you're not renewing the rent. I've kept that your house where you were before. He's still, they are waiting for you. They like you. Go back. You have been under distress. See, since you moved here, five months to when rent is due, you started praying. Before, it's a month before you are supposed to pay that you remember you are supposed to pay. Because by the time they pay you one salary, remnant from the previous one, you join it together, you've paid. And you have peace of mind for ten and a half months. But this one, after six months, you're in distress. Many of the problems of our lives, listen to me, people of God, we bought them with worthiness. I'm telling you. That day I told my sister, I said, listen, what the Lord is saying to you is that you don't need more money. You have used too many avenues to look for more money. It has cost you too much in peace of mind. It has cost you too much, you know, peace of mind, gone, lack of direction. And things are not working on top of that. What more do you want me to do? I am not in competition. It is not my job to show your friend that you can drive a, a, a car as good as his own. That's the problem we put God in a lot of times. That's why we're in distress. The people that God is telling, say, that house, move back. What are you doing in an expensive estate? Before you moved here, think about it. Check your life. When was rent your prayer point? You hardly prayed to me about rent. You gave thanks and paid. But now before you pay, five months before that and you are praying, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, Father, oh. So you realize if you just change back to where you were, instantly, your prayer will change. Now, why am I going to love these things? So when he says, seek first the kingdom of God, that's what I'm going to emphasize, and his righteousness. Seeking first his righteousness. People don't understand that that's exactly what he's calling his righteousness. That is, I spend my energy Listen, I'm going to emphasize something here. He said all other things will be added. I will add it. If I have not added it, I'm saying to you, you are not seeking the right thing. There is no doubt about it. If I have not added it, I am saying to you, what you are seeking is not right. What am I teaching? So look for any lack in your life. Don't pursue that lack as to, to solve it. Look at it, you are an indicator or something that I'm not seeking. You are an indicator of something that I'm not seeking. Or something I'm seeking I am not supposed to be. So he was teaching them here. These are the manifestations of that kingdom in the lives of people on a daily basis. We read from Paul. Paul told us how we relate with each other. Last time we read from um, Psalm 34, right? And we'll get back to them later. Now, David explained to us that whoever wants to go up to his holy hills, you understand? <laughs> Keep, he must have clean hands, a pure heart, and the hands who, quickly, let's, let's read that one first again. That's so that we'll just put all of them together. Psalm 34. 
from verse 12. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may say good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. For times, let's just stop reading at that particular point in time. We also read them Psalm 24. I think it's 24. From verse 3. Who may ascend into the holy hill of the Lord, and who may, do, may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. Now, what we are saying here, reading from the, uh, all these portions, we read that Ephesians chapter um, 4, Psalm 24, Psalm 34, and of course, where we are going to continue, which is um, the word of the Lord Jesus. Let me get back to that, the word of the Lord Jesus now. So Jesus was saying that, these are the things we are supposed to seek. These are the things that the people of God will seek with their lives. And then I will take care of every other thing. Now, one of the things you'll find out is that some of those things that Jesus was demanding, some of them looked pretty hard. But one thing that struck me, because one day I was studying these things, and I realized that Jesus was not speaking. Now, that's the first thing we have to bear in mind. He was not speaking to the multitude. He was speaking to his disciples. And then when you are interpreting everything he said there, you must interpret everything in the light of discipleship. Very important. For example, when he says, blessed are the poor, do you understand? What he was saying is this. It's not saying that if you are broke, you are lucky. Now you getting my point. That's not what he was saying. He was not saying the poorer you are in life, the more blessed you are. Because if that was the case, you would never have bothered to bless people like Abraham and Isaac. The way he did. What he was saying had a reference. And please follow me closely here. Because one of the things that, you know, I said, I said earlier, that God gave us, you know, things around us to take examples from. And I believe we should take examples from everything. For example, now I refer to, these are our guys who go around doing, you know, simple jobs and all of that. And, you know, just, just by the way, <laughs> once in Lagos, I saw the guy sleeping. You know, if I lie down to sleep, one mosquito, if it goes near my ears, I will wake up and kill it. But I saw these guys lie down. You know what they call Lagos mosquitoes? <laughs> Lagos mosquitoes are unique. They are unique. Their diving capacity is different. <laughs> they, they, they have the way of diving. One of my friends said, those ones, they don't suck blood. They chew your muscle. <laughs> Do you understand? Now, that kind of Lagos area. At night, I was my friend's office. We were walking. Those who used to design our early tracks and all of that. So we stayed in his office very late. So these guys, it was very late. So they were going to sleep. By the time we came out of his office, locked up, they were sleeping. Outside, beside the road. I stood. I said, these guys are planning to sleep. No, they were asleep. And if he decides to rain during the night, you know what's going to happen? They will get up and just perch somewhere near the wall. Allow the rain to finish falling. When they play, I'm telling you, there's nowhere else to go. 
<laughs> and those men are surviving. They are the one feeling sorry for them. They are not feeling sorry for themselves. Now, you see why I'm talking about it. There are things you will see, okay? To just let you know that, now, I don't mean the bad way, I'm just letting you know what's going on in your life, okay? Just know, say, you are spoiled. So I'm not saying you should not unspoil yourself by force, but just recognize I'm spoiled. You know, if you just recognize it, then God can help you. Just know that you complain too much. Are you getting my point? Just know it. That's all. I'm not saying you should not go by force to the road. Me too, I want to sleep on the road. No, you just die for nothing. I'm not saying that. <laughs> are you getting my point? But just know you are spoiled. Just know it. So that when a little hardship comes, you won't start throwing tantrums. You see where I'm going on? Let's look at a lot of our Muslim brothers around. The strong fundamentalists. This is where one thing I want you to learn from them. They show you they actually take their faith seriously. Just learn that one. That's what I'm saying. Up in the north, there are people, if I go there, I want to rent a house in, in many parts of Com, northern Nigeria, areas where Islam is strong. I want to rent a house. Just remove the word pastor from my title. I may get one. If I put it there, they will leave the house vacant. Even though I have money to pay. Why? They say it's their contribution to jihad. Why? I denied a pastor accommodation. That is, they take their faith seriously. Because this is our culture of faith. We are swinging into something today now. All right? The culture of disciples. The problem when we are interpreting the things that Jesus said is that we don't realize he was not talking to a moral multitude. The Lord Jesus was not talking to people who wanted to be good. The Pharisees were not part of his audience. The Bible tells us that what happened was his disciples came to him and he sat down and began to teach them. So everything he said, please bear it in mind, it was in reference to being a disciple. When he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, listen to me. If you go and read the reference in other, um, other gospels, and that word in spirit is not there. He didn't say that if your poverty is inside your spirit. No. It means if your poverty came out of your spirit. He was talking about material poverty. When he said in spirit, it didn't mean that it's in the realm of the spirit. No. It meant that is where it came out of. That is, he was saying, the reason why you are poor is because you refuse to trade like the world. I don't know whether you're getting it. Let me give an example. You've heard it a lot of times. Eh, you know the way businesses in Nigeria, they will say that you should put something for the boss. People will tell you that, this is how they do in government. Eh, you want to do, they, you, you put small for them. So the argument comes. Now, follow me closely. And many of you have been where people are discussing things like that. He said, what if this is the only business you do? They now have you by the stranglehold. They said, if you don't put the 100% markup for them, the job is 5 million. But they said you have to put 10. Then they will give you 5.5. They will take their 4.5. Then you will do your work. Okay. They will, in fact, you're only collecting 5 million. Which was your correct quote. It, it's, it's between them and their God. The next question is, that, so who will sign for the money? Hey, it's you. You will give it to them. But, you know, give to what is Caesar. Let Caesar go and go to hell, you know. 
you on God's side do what you are supposed to do and then you do your work. It's just your normal profit in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, nothing more than that. Now, those arguments can be compelling. Now, let's, let's be honest. They can be very compelling. But again, that's, why because, that's because we've not understood the culture that Jesus was teaching his disciples. Following Jesus is not a passport to prosperity. There are many people that following Jesus is their passport to poverty. They are the ones that Jesus said, blessed that the poor. When your discipleship causes you to lose money, you are in a society, suddenly you can't trade anymore because you won't cheat anybody for anybody. If the, if the, if the, if the, if the men depend and say their life depends on the money, say, oh, I better go and die because I'm not going to give you. Why? He said, because that's what my Jesus said. Because later on, you're asking questions, how do I explain that I came here to represent Jesus? It was me you used to you know, siphon out this amount of money. How do I explain that to Jesus when I get back home? See, all those stories we tell is because we have not understood that Jesus said, blessed are the poor. We need to understand that he actually meant it when he said, blessed are the poor. When he said in spirit, he wasn't saying their spirit is poor. He's saying their poverty is not because they are lazy. Their poverty is not because they are not smart. It's because from the depth of their heart, because they are my disciples, they have refused totally and absolutely to participate in some things. And it does not always yield money. No. It does not always yield money for them. Listen, let's forget these testimonies of I gave 10,000 and I got a million. The more usual testimony will be I gave 10,000 naira and my bank balance went down by 10,000. That is a more regular testimony. Will you yield a million? Why are you concerned about it? If you don't want to give 10,000 naira, keep it. If you are looking for a million, that's not how they find it. If you are looking for a million, that's not how they find it. The more usual testimony for disciples, listen, especially when the church has to face darkness, those who face darkness and conquer it are not people who are living in luxury. Are you getting my point? That they are negotiating with the darkness to get luxury out of it. There are people who are standing in front and if necessary are willing to lay down their lives. That is those who conquer darkness. I hope you are getting my point. That's why, look, if any Christian tells him that he's running up and down looking for where a, a prosperity is, so the future of his children, just know you are not saved. You are not saved. If you are saved, you are a useless servant. You are an unprofitable servant. You want to make decisions where your children will be safe, where the prosperity for them. Listen, I keep on saying it. Prosperity for them, safety for them. Is God that, do you get my point? Dashes. There are people who run all over the world getting the best certificates, the best qualifications, best experiences. At the end of the day, when, uh, what do you call his name? Our brother in South Africa, Zimbabwe. Strive, Masi, When he came to do a kunet, all of them flooded him with CV. Dangote is employing now. Many Christians who believed God and sowed the seed, dangerous ones, to go and get certificates all over the world. They have come to Dangote and say, Alaji, God bless you, sir. Is it a lie? In case you do not know, at the end of the day, whether you are from all over the world or from UNN, 
you need lag, whatever it is, all of you, just do interview. Now, who passing go give job? And believe me, many people with foreign qualifications will lose the job when local boys will get them. No, no, I'm not trying to talk sweet. That's normal life. Oh. I know sometimes when God wants to frustrate people, we will now put a spirit inside government. Government will now stand and demand local content. <laughs> oh, when, when God wants to do his things, eh, you'll be surprised. And you see, God will just provoke the association of vice chancellors to demand recognition from the universities. You walk to Adangote and tell Ogadangote, what can anybody do that our boys can do? That's why you now, you now realize that your father's land you sold to go and get a, a certificate. They won't give you the job. Boys who didn't sell anything, they will get it. You're looking at you like that. Are you Listen, the destiny of your children is a gift of God. So if you want your children to succeed, I keep on saying it. Periodically, put those hands on them. Ah, you know, my mother said something to me today. I won't give you details. Something happened. He was talking to me on the phone. Ah, I said that to your son. He said, what he will become will surprise you. I did like this. Amen. She didn't see my hand up. Oh. I was on the phone. And she was saying, ah, she said, no, no, no. He said, just watch it. You will be surprised what's going to come out of him. I said, that's what we need. No, that is what I need. Do you get my point? That statement I heard today, if you said, pay five million for it, I will pay. One of my friends, anyway, let's get back to our, wait, 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 if I start now, I get, you know. <laughs> no, my friend said that, listen, that no matter what, even if he has a fees, the, the ability to do, he's not sending his children to Harvard. I said, why? I agree with him, but I just wanted to know his reason. He said, it's enough of always covering God's glory and giving to Harvard. He said, Harvard takes the best of the best. You know, they now perpetuate that feeling as if they are good. He said, why won't you keep looking good? Why you keep on screaming the top of the, you know, the cream de la cream, the top, the best? You refine the best that we have produced. They give them back to us and say, this is Harvard product. They are not Harvard products. We made them and gave them to you to train for four years, one year. You want to show us Harvard is good? Close your eyes. Do tumbon, tumbon, ajegunle. Give us the boys back in four years. Do you get my point? Randomly pick boys on the streets, in, in government schools, in Lagos, in Enugu, everywhere. Then give us those boys back in four years. Let's see what you can do. They will know you are good. Not when Covenant, when covenant has produced first class people. UNN has produced first class people. People have produced first class from all over the place. We now give them one rigorous exam. On their own, those people can climb to the moon. On their own, they will hit the moon. They will now give them a hostel. And lecturers will be saying, okay, how was your climbing today? Fine, sir. The other day, they showed MIT. You know what they call MIT? MIT. You know what they call MIT? Arguably number one engineering institute in the world. Yes, MIT. That's Massachusetts Institute of Technology. They showed their graduates. They gave them battery, bulb, and wire. Say, light it. None of them could. No, I'm not kidding. No. It's not a joke. I think it was CNN or BBC that did it. They were graduating. Say, yeah, come. Engineering graduate. Yeah. See wire. See battery. See bulb. Light them. 
Did you hear what I said? MIT graduates on their graduation day. Reporter just wanted to try something. See wire, see battery, see bulb, light them. Now, nah, boys, no fit. They couldn't. They were like, um, 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 uh, now let me add my own drama to it. Asignating, no, not asignating. See wire, see battery, <laughs> see bulb, light them. Uh, no, the Eddie Cor- uh, 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 don't speak English. See wire, see battery, see bulb, join them. May I say light? After a long try, maybe one person can't get them. They, they try several of them. Embarrassment. Oh, let's get back to what we're saying. Don't, don't, don't worry yourself. That's what I'm trying to make. About uh, it's called my children, my children, and forget all of those things. When Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, he was saying to Christians, This is what discipleship is going to mean. And please, this generation, listen to me. I've not been called by God to preach a sweet gospel to you. I've been called to, to recruit soldiers. Soldiers of Christ. Who are not ashamed to stand for the truth of Christ Jesus. Even if it's not popular. And that's what I'm trying to explain to you. When you say blessed are the poor. What it means is that. He was talking to his disciples. He said discipleship will cost a lot of people. They will not be able to negotiate. And say that you know this is how I feed my family. If I don't give them now. He said no. That excuse I won't take it anymore. I am saying. Live there before. You wouldn't be the first. I am saying, understand that your Christianity is not a joke. It's not something you do when it's convenient. Look at the people you hate so much. You feel threatened by. Do you see the way, the kind of spirit that poured upon them? Look at how they live. Talking about, you know, fundamental Islamists. Their religion is life. Their religion is life. For you, what is your faith? Start explaining it when it's not convenient. That's why I said earlier, look, I don't understand. You know, please read my book again. That's my recommendation for today. Between now and next Saturday, please make sure you have read the book. Don't quit the army. If you are listening to this online, a recorded device, whatever it is, go to our website, download it. Between this message and the next, go and read the book. Don't quit the army. My preaching is to let you know that Christianity is not so a seed, it's God will multiply it. If you try that nonsense again, poverty is your portion. Rubbish is enough. So in a season, so that God can multiply. What does it look like to you? I hear that kind of I see, I see, I see the nonsense all the time. The videos are flying up and down. This is a seed for your destiny. I hope you know all those things are lies. They're not true. They are not true. And I demand of you to stop believing them. If your pastor preaches, you say, oh, God, say, look, pastor, come. If we need money, say it. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with needing money. And nothing wrong with telling people we need money. But please, stop telling me this might be the seed that heaven is waiting for. <laughs> heaven will not get any other work. They wait for this seed. <laughs> of all the problems to solve in Nigeria, now this seed they wait for. Please, let's stop that. You know, 
I, I think we should have just advanced beyond some things. You know, some things, you, know, you hear me sometimes laugh about my, laugh, laugh at myself. Things that we did on campus those days, you know, we just laugh and say, ah, we believe that at the time we laugh. <laughs> I'm surprised Christians still want to gather around some things that make it look like Christianity is a religion, you know, it's a religion of convenience. Please get our last magazine. Yeah, get, is it this one that has gatekeepers? Yes. You see the story of Polycarp Koli, there. Go and see how men live for Christ Jesus. That's Christianity. People actually die for their faith. People actually die for their faith. They actually die for their faith. They actually do. So losing money for their faith is the least of the problems that Jesus has. He's not afraid. It doesn't, it's not, to him it's not a big deal. You lose one contract after the other because you refuse to give a bribe is the will of God. Blessed are those who, you know, when it says that, who are poor in the spirit and who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Listen. When he says people who hunger and do what? And thirst for righteousness. Listen to this. It means that one day I listened to Patu Tumi. How many of you know Professor Patu Tumi? I listened to the kind of testimony. He stood. He came to Benin then, so one of our brothers just dragged him into our local convention. So yeah, I beg. So we gave him the platform to speak for us for like an hour. Beautiful speech. I still have it on my, on my device. I recorded it while he was speaking. He says a number of things. I want to bring two of them out. He said once he was in, he was in the U.S. encouraging some people to do business in Nigeria. And then I told him that Nigeria is corrupt. He said, I told the man that, listen, it's a matter of fact that things like that happen. He said, but it's not every Nigerian that's like that. He said, I've been in government since he was, I think it was 20 something when he works for Shagari. All right? He said, I can stand on the top of the Empire State Building and dare anybody that has ever given me one dollar to come out. He said, I will stand on one of the tallest buildings in the world and say, if you ever have bribed me with a dollar, come out. I hope you're getting my point. Blessed are those who do what? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. That is, this is what they are testing for. That. Uh-uh. God. Me too, I must live through life and be able to brag that nobody has ever had to bribe me with a naira. And there are businessmen that will tell you that I have never given anybody 10 cup of bribe. If your life depends on it, better go and die because I'm not giving you. That that becomes what? The quest. <laughs> are you getting my point? It becomes the quest. That is, I'm going to do business. It's not how much do I make. It's no, guys. Okay, four of us are investing in this business. Let's join our hands. All right? For the purpose of this business, your name is Ananiah. You are Azariah. You are Mishael. And I'm Daniel. So, let's join, let's join hands. Father God, we don't know how long this business, this company will last. But this is our dedication. We we'll never bribe anybody. Nobody will bribe us. In the name of Jesus Christ. Nobody. Ever. In any country. America. In Nigeria. Hey, even if. That's what they call. Do you get my point? The first for you know, some of us are we're gonna be ten billion. No, no, no. Jesus said the wattage. Can I you know my English? I like to mark my no, there's wattage. This one's the watt. The wattage of the business shall be added unto you. That one will be added. But what's your purpose? Anybody walks in here, he walks into the center of righteousness. You know, please go and read the blog of Strive Masiwa. 
Strive Masiwa is on an assignment to make sure that African heads of states, African government officials don't get 10 cover from him. That was what put him in trouble in Nigeria. But the man said, I won't give you the money. He fought James Ibori, fought many governors in Nigeria. A non-Nigerian. Listen to me. He suffered for it. Don't think, and he won. No. They bundled him, bundled his family. Listen, took the children from school. His workers. Immigration went there, took their children from school, put them on planes and ejected them from Nigeria. But listen to me. You do that to a man that is standing for righteousness. You are dead meat. God will punish your generations. You will beg for food. Jesus made it clear. I'm not talking about normal people. I'm talking about my disciples who do it for my sake. Ah, read the blog. They asked for $5 million. He said to them, it's not your money. $5 million. He said, it's not your money. He said to them, he said, this is Aquaibon people money. I will not give it to you. Your state invested in my company. I don't pay off the governors. And believe me, they bundled him on a plane and ejected him out of Nigeria. Say, fine, you guys will see. <laughs> that is the discipleship we are talking about. The people are starting companies. It's not about, hey, what, what are we going to eat? No, let's join our hands. This one, God, we know. And because God will test you. Say, one day, it will be, this company will die if we don't bribe a customs man with a million naira. Ordinary, one million. But we will say to him, you don't understand. He will think that your company is worth 10 million, 10 billion. He said, you don't understand. We didn't come here to be arguing on who has what money. We came here to say Daniels has still been born. We came here that, to tell you that you will see find Azariah, Ananiah, and Mishael who will not bow to any image. Bros, go to hell. We're not giving you money. And listen, say best are those who are poor in, for that reason. In their spirits. That's what they're trying to say. That because of their conviction of what we are talking about, <laughs> listen, you know, their friends will start companies. So, and you know, you know, Satan, Satan, ah, Satan, God punish you. Because, you see, he has used all kinds of silly things to tempt Christians. Why are you spending your holiday? Me yeah, and my wife, Bukai, our three children, are flying all over the world like Satan. <laughs> to and fro. To and fro. Purposeless. See why are you talking about that? They said that in front of our eyes. And brethren can't sleep while they are looking for money. And then they find this money. Who did they deny? Who do they donate it to? Being Rashid Al Maktoum. Uh, Emir of uh, Dubai. <laughs> That's what they, they donated to. After breaking their conscience, they can't stand for God for anything. They can't suffer for him small. Then what is it? You spend all of it shopping in Dubai. Then you come back home. You feel satisfied because the world set for you standards that will not pass the day of your death. Standards that when you see the face of Jesus, you'll be ashamed of. Listen, we're talking Christianity here. As a culture of faith, we are talking about. When I say, blessed are the poor in spirit. I'll continue from that point. I'm just looking at my time. Let me just end with reminding us of that statement that I made earlier. He was talking to his disciples. He wasn't talking to, talking to those who were looking for how to live a good life. He wasn't talking to those who are looking for, you know, how to live a morally straight life. He was talking to his disciples, people are, who are committing their lives to him. 
and for his sake, they start suffering a lot of things. It's those things that he's referencing. For example, he will tell you, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Are you seeing that, that point here? Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things against you because of me. Those are the kind of things we are talking about. Jesus said, it's when you walk like this, my people, that you are the salt of the earth. That is when you are the light of the world. Salt of the earth is not a confession. It's the way you live. You know, you wake up in the morning, I confess I'm the salt of the earth. If you are tasteless, confess from now to tomorrow. You are as useless as before you started talking. You can confess it to empower yourself to do what you are supposed to do. That's what the confession does. The confession, that's what it does. It empowers you to do what you are supposed to do. It is not as if you just say you're a Christian, you confess, that's what means the salt of the earth. Please listen, people of God, let me stop it here. But I, I believe you've gotten my point. Remember, it's just one thing. Discipleship means those who have taken their faith seriously. Who have said, uh-huh, this is my life. This is my life. Let's ask our feet. Let us pray. Let us pray. Let's take a few minutes and respond to these words. Let's give God thanks first for the word that um, he has sent to us today. I believe um, God spoke to you, and I believe you were blessed. Just say, Father, I thank you for this word. Thank you for the words that you spoke to me today. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Thank him. Thank him. Maybe there are specific things you want to thank him for. Say, Lord, I thank you. And I receive grace to do. I've been empowered to do. For encouraging some of us. Lord, we give you praise. We bless your name, Lord. Thank you so much. Blessed be the name of Jesus. We thank you. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we are grateful for this um, word that you've sent to us today. Not just that you spoke to us. Why pastor was speaking, I was sure somebody got healed. I was sure somebody got an idea. I was sure God put somebody on the right path in the name of Jesus. And I pray in the name of Jesus that as you go, may the Lord keep you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord show you his favor and mercy. May the Lord give you peace in the name of Jesus. Like I said, I believe that because the Bible said while Jesus was speaking, the power of God was present to heal. While pastor was teaching, the power of Jesus healed somebody in the name of Jesus. Father, we're grateful. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Now, if you're coming for the first time, I believe this uh, magazine was given to you.